0: Optimal health for high performers. This is the Health Upgrade Podcast with Dr. Navaz Habib. Hi, it's Dr. Habib. I'm really excited about today's podcast interview. It's with a really, really special guest, a really important member of my health journey, my life journey, my journey into personal development and into functional medicine. His name is Sachin Patel. He's a proud father, husband, philanthropist, functional medicine, practice, success coach, speaker and author. Yes, he's got so many different titles and amazing things that he's done. His philosophy is that the doctor of the future is the patient themselves and that he is actively doing whatever it takes to keep you out of the medical system by empowering patients through education, self-care and remapping their mindset. Sachin is the founder of the Living Proof Institute and perfect practice. As part of his own personal and business transformation, he now coaches practitioners all over the world on how to set up and step into their power and save their communities. To date, he has delivered hundreds of community and corporate workshops, many of which I've been a part of. He's an advocate for change in healthcare paradigm and has devoted his life to the betterment of healthcare for both patients and practitioners. Absolutely wonderful guest. You're gonna love today's interview super excited to get into this. Let's do it. All right. Welcome, everybody. I'm super excited to have my mentor and a a very, very important member of my health journey, my journey into functional medicine, into learning about upgraded mindset, upgrading myself. This is Sachin Patel. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sach.
1: Namaz, thank you. It's my pleasure, and I appreciate always our time together, and I'm excited to have this conversation with you.
0: So I know this story, but for anybody who's listening or watching right now, I really do want to let them understand your journey into functional medicine. How did you get into functional medicine? How did you become a functional medicine success practice, a practice success coach?
1: And how did you grow
0: your business?
1: Sure. Well, thanks for asking. You know, a big part of my journey started uh, many years ago when I was actually on the news. I was working as a sports chiropractor in Cincinnati at a clinic called Norwood Chiropractic and had... An amazing mentor there, an amazing inspiration uh, in soft tissue injury management. And we were helping, you know, really the healthiest people now that I look back in our communities people that, you know, are cyclists or runners, Olympic athletes, pitchers, like, you know, football players, bodybuilders. Like, these are the type of people that we were working with because these people had repetitive strain injuries from being able to be physically active. And There was a lady that came to our office. Her name was Connie. We did a great job with her elbow. She had seen orthopedists and physiotherapy clinics and nothing was really helping. And we did some active release on her, cleared up her elbow pain. And right around the same time, we had somebody from who uh, was involved with the news coming to our office as a patient who had miraculous results. And she's like, everyone needs to hear about this. And she didn't volunteer herself to be interviewed, but she did ask us to find other people in our practice. So we shared Connie's story about elbow pain caused by, you know, repetitive strain injury, sports related. And all of a sudden, when the story ran, the phone started ringing nonstop, basically. And we had dozens and dozens of patients scheduling. But the mistake that we made was we didn't ask them why they were coming in. And had we asked them just a few simple questions about what their chief complaint was, we probably would have, you know, been able to filter them out of the practice and tell them that this wasn't for them because many people that started coming in Started coming with autoimmune conditions, fibromyalgia, digestive problems, you know, migraines, like all kinds of you know chronic conditions that nobody was able to help them with, and these people were desperately seeking help. And of course, I didn't have any training at the time to help these individuals, so I had to turn them away. But right around the same time, serendipitously, as it always seems to happen, I started getting emails from someone who would later become my mentor, Dr. Ron Grisanti, and he was sharing case studies of people that he was helping that sounded very similar to these patients that I had to turn away. And so as a result of that, I took his training. I was inspired by you know the ability for a chiropractor to offer this type of care and service, and it kind of went above and beyond what we were doing, and it applied to the people, even those that were healthy that wanted an upgrade. And so I learned it for myself, and it really made a big difference in my health. You know, I had some chronic acne issues that went away. I had uh, digestive issues that I didn't even know I had until I got rid of them. And then I also had joint aches and pains and I was never a morning person. So, you know, energy challenges, stiffness and achiness. And I I thought I was doing everything right. And I attributed most of my stiffness and achiness to exercising and working out because that's what I love doing. And I also attributed it to, you know, the physical nature of doing soft tissue work on clients. So, you know, we kind of normalize things when we're dealing with, it's not until they go away. It's not until we take the thorn out of our side that we realize it was a thorn there. So, you know, once I was able to witness my own positive results, I started incorporating it into our sports clinic, but my boss at the time really didn't want to go the extra mile with me. And so, you know, I started kind of looking in a different direction. And when it came time for me to purchase the practice, I kind of stepped away from that because it wasn't the direction I wanted to go in. So kind of, you know, stuck to my guns, stuck to my passion about helping people in, in kind of a different capacity. And I remember as I walked out of the door on the last day of that job, The associate that was replacing me, Dr. Rick Yost, big shout out to him. He handed me a CD from James Chestnut. He said, You know, doc tells me you're into nutrition, have a listen to this. And I've probably listened to that CD several hundred times now at this point. And it was basically a talk that James Chestnut was giving. And that talk really inspired me to, you know, think differently regarding functional medicine as well. So I had the traditional functional medicine training, but then I had this chiropractic wellness philosophy. Uh, which celebrated the innate, celebrated our bodies, celebrated this miracle of life. Instead of trying to find everything wrong with it, we were trying to find everything right with it. And so I felt like the combination of, you know, functional root cause diagnostic tools, and then this philosophy of, of wellness and vitality could really come together. And that's where living proof came into the equation. So I left that original role and started working for another company, And, you know, help them build two of their most successful practices in the entire company. My friend, Dr. Amar and I helped them accomplish that. And we, you know, had mentors. We had Dr. David Singer, who we hired to help us grow our confidence, grow our certainty, be able to offer case-based services instead of, you know, one-by-one a la carte services. And I still remember the first time somebody paid me in full for their care. It was like the greatest feeling in the world. So he's an amazing uh, practitioner, amazing work ethic. Like we would be in there at seven in the morning, and our office was in a gym, so we'd work out after the end of the day, and then we wouldn't go to bed until or get home until like ten o'clock at night. So we were hustling, we were grinding, and it paid off. Like we were able to build a very successful clinic, two very successful clinics inside gyms, and start applying the functional medicine principles and concepts. But you know, sometimes really good things come to an end, and the business that I was involved with grew too fast and they didn't bring on the right people and didn't have the right systems. And as a result of that, it essentially bankrupted them and they were robbing Peter, which would be me in this case, to pay Paul. And so I was basically, you know, it's the 80-20 principle. We were generating a significant amount of the income and it was just going out the other end. So that led to a whole bunch of IOUs and eventually a $60,000 a note that they owed me. And I just literally had to walk away from that. And I vowed when I started living proof that I would never, you know, do that to somebody else. I would never do that to my family, put my family in that position that they were in. And I would never put somebody else in that position where I can't pay them. I can't, you know, trying to do too many things or spread myself too thin. And if it ever got to that point that you know, I would have to think back and reflect, but because I had that, you know, ever so painful experience, having a one-year-old building a new home, thinking everything's going to be okay, and it is on paper, and then you stop getting paid and, you know, stuff hits the fan. So, you know, these important lessons taught me a few things, to follow my passion, to uh, never give up on your dream, and to have experiences and sit with these experiences so that perhaps there's something to learn. And what I learned was what not to do, Sometimes our mentors te- also teach us what not to do, and people we look up to teach us what not to do. Sometimes our parents teach us uh, what to do, but some of those most important things they teach us is what not to do. So that's what I learned through this experience, and we started Living Proof as a very value-driven organization, so that we are providing immense value, more value than you know, multi-million-dollar hospitals could, more value than massive clinics could because we listened and we paid attention to what our clients said and we had diagnostic tools to help us and we also had a vision for the patient to self-actualize and become the healthiest version of themselves and when you combine those two things you essentially have really an unstoppable force so we started that clinic and it was basically done through a smart office so our overhead was very low because we were charging for our services up front, it made for good cash flow dynamics, allowed us to grow and expand and hire people, build a team around us, market the practice, you know, hire experts in our industry, hire other mentors. So, that simple ability to be able to get people to see value and deliver them value so they pay you up front and build a relationship so they do that was really revolutionary in our business design. And it also helped us because we had a very low overhead like if you're in a smart office you pay for the office that you're in which might be a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a month but that includes a front desk person all the utilities the internet everything is rolled into that so you're able to really contain costs and create a good cash flow and then reinvest that back into your business and grow it and so people started noticing that and they started getting curious about that so initially I was offering my guidance and advice. And then my wife said, you know, you're actually doing these people a disservice because you're not creating structure around your advice that you're giving them. So you should actually coach them and have weekly calls and get on phone calls with them and create a plan with them. And so that turned into like a little mini coaching business as I was still seeing and working with patients. And then it eventually turned into a full-time passion. So now the thing I do full-time is I, well, 80, 20, I'll say. So I coach practitioners, I speak at conferences, I do summits, I do podcast interviews like this to try to, you know, really help spread the message about functional and lifestyle medicine and vitality driven medicine and I try to do that from both sides of the desk so I try to do it as a an advocate for practitioners and an advocate for patients and I believe that you know really we have to advocate for a third party which is a practice as well so if we can get the practice to thrive the patient to thrive and the practitioners to thrive you have the perfect you know scenario for really an elevation of humanity right our current system is set up in such a way that the more you use healthcare the more some people are bankrupted and the more some people profit right in sinister ways if we overload practitioners with patients who don't know how to take care of themselves because they've never been taught to, then it's going to be overwhelming to the practitioner. And if patients don't know how to take care of themselves, they're never going to experience true health. Right? We're not talking about manipulated health or, you know, just numbers changing on a piece of paper. We're talking about true health, vitality, happiness, emotional stability, like all the things that it means to be an amazing human being. And and that's where I am now. So you know, trying to move the uh, the mission forward by getting more people educated on lifestyle and vitality and functional medicine. Trying to keep things really simple as well. One of the things we learned along the way, you know, after working with you know thousands of people and running thousands of labs, you you are part of that equation as well. And learning from that, we learned that true health is actually really simple, and we can make it as complicated or as fancy as we want. But it's really, really simple and, and nature and our body kind of handles the majority of that complexity. And our philosophy has always been that nothing can fix you better than you. And we're even seeing that now. So if we think about things like stem cells, we're taking parts of you, concentrating them, and then injecting them back into you. And that's healing people. So you know the medical system has even come full circle in that realization that we are, you know, our own doctors. And, you know, what I believe is, as you know, the patient is the doctor of the future. So really, that's our movement. That's our mission. That's, you know, kind of in a nutshell, maybe a long winded version of my story. But I think it's important because it gives people context to know that I've been there. I've been broke. You know, I've been, I've never been broken, but I've been broke. You know, I've been on both ends of the spectrum, you know, as a patient, clinician, as an entrepreneur. And it's just, really great to be able to pay it forward by sharing what i've learned along the way so other people don't have to make the same mistakes i you know i'm glad you know i've learned what not to do and i'm also glad i've learned from other people and other mentors what to do
0: yeah it's it's such an amazing journey to hear the progression that you took and and all of the steps that you went through that there was health transformation that there was personal transformation business transformation and all of that is linked to really upgrading your mindset towards the idea of growth and being able to serve those around you with really high value and really being able to create like a value-based business. And I really always appreciated that as part of the team, as part of your mentorship group. It, it always really stuck out to me that we were never there with this zero-sum type of mindset. We were always there with an abundance mindset. And I loved what you said that We really want to take care of three different things. We want to take care of the practitioner, ensuring that the practitioner can grow and get better. We want to take care of the patient and advocate for their health, for their value and for allowing them to then be able to pursue the challenges that come up in their lives and the the goals that they want to achieve, but also then being able to advocate for the business itself, for the practice itself. And that in itself exemplifies what an abundance mindset truly is. So For me, that abundance mindset really sticks out in in your journey. The fact that you've progressed through and really improved on the growth and abundance mindset that you've built. And I really want to focus on that specifically. You work with many practitioners. I've worked with many of those same practitioners and, and gone through and understood their journeys as well. I'm one of them. What are some of the most common patterns you see in people that are looking to upgrade And they're they're just kind of on that fence or they're looking to figure out where their mindset really should be and how they can make those changes.
1: Yeah, you know, one of this, this might sound really strange, but, you know, the best advice I was thinking about this this morning as I was preparing, you know, just in my head for this interview and also just the things that are coming up for me and bubbling to the surface. I think it's very timely. Some of the best advice I've ever given practitioners is to potentially use plant medicines. So I'll give you an example. Uh, I just had a few text messages I exchanged with a practitioner, I won't mention their name to maintain their privacy, but you know, he called me and he, he was telling me he's had multiple rounds of success and then multiple rounds of self-sabotage and you know, he's also got these addictive behaviors that he was dealing with. The advice I gave him was I want you to take some medicinal mushrooms. And he did. So he took me up on it, met up with a shaman and did a ceremony and he went back in time to an incident when he was 7 years old and he was told not these exact words but essentially that he's worthless so no matter what he did to build himself up his subconscious had this you are worthless pattern and guess what the subconscious always wins so then no matter how much money he made it would always become worthless or go back to zero or even worse and it was because of this underlying subconscious pattern. And I believe we all have those, okay? Uh, we all have this attachment to ego and the physical world, but there is an entire world that exists that you can't see, that you can't hear, and it's essentially ineffable. So it's hard to describe to somebody who may not have done it. But you know what I tell people is if you can go there, you will come face-to-face with everything that's holding you back from being the healthiest version of you The wealthiest version of you, because it's this subconscious narrative that we're trying to fix. And let me give you an example. So, if I make a spelling mistake on my computer screen, I can white it out and the problem goes away. But as soon as I scroll, the problem is back again because the problem is on the other side of the screen. So, I've got to change, you know, I've got to use my keyboard to change what's going to show up on my screen. And our mind is kind of the same way. So, you know i always remind people that our life is essentially a blank canvas okay so imagine you and i were in art class and they hand you a canvas and a paintbrush and they hand me a canvas and a paintbrush and we can paint whatever we want right we can paint our dream life guess what it takes the same amount of energy to paint a beautiful vast abundant picture it takes the same amount of paint and probably the same amount of time to paint something positive as it does to paint something negative And so if our mind is a paintbrush and our life is a canvas and we can paint whatever we want, why not paint what we want and think, which is essentially thinking of and acting in accordance to the things that we actually want, it becomes so much easier. So I think of my actions as a brushstroke, right? So is this brushstroke going to produce the painting that I'm trying to produce? Is it going to produce my life? And then it makes decision-making, you know, so much easier and it takes the emotion out of it you know just like if my gps has turned left i don't get emotional about it i turn left right and i actually have security in knowing that i'm being guided and so you know that's how essentially the biggest nugget that i've accumulated over the last like 2 or 3 years since i started using plant medicines and microdosing plant medicines and what i also realized is that we can have whatever we want if we think about it long enough and concentrate on it and focus on it long enough Because our focus and concentration is kind of like a magnifying glass. A magnifying glass only has one focal point. And if we angle that focal point correctly, then we can actually burn the whole forest down. But if we just wave that magnifying glass, wave that focal point in the air, it never really heats up or accomplishes anything. So a magnifying glass is dangerous when it's focused, right? Or constructive in a way, if you want to start a fire and you need heat, then it's constructive if it's focused. So we have to really make sure that we're not constantly being distracted. We live in a highly distractible world. We have a very highly distractible brain because that's part of our survival mechanism. So we have to be stewards and guardians of what goes in, okay? So a couple of things that I certainly recommend you know, aside from the plant medicines, because that might be a little bit advanced for people, but the thing I would definitely do is learn how to think, okay, not what to think, but learn how to think. and if we can become extremely conscious, you know, think of our intention as our thoughts and our actions as our brushstroke, you know, we can essentially paint whatever image we want, and we've got to stay focused on it long enough as well for it to manifest into something, and I think that you know, of course it's easy to think right i can think of a painting i can think of what i want that's easy but actually creating the beautiful you know accurate and articulate brushstroke that's a whole different thing mm-hmm. okay? uh, and that can take practice that can take some time to get really good at it so if you don't get it right the first time that's okay right a master artist has been doing it for years and years and years they haven't given up so you know they're focused and they're invested and they're continuing to sharpen that uh, skill and that sword, so to speak. And they're willing to do it because there's an outcome that they're trying to produce that they want to produce.
0: I believe it all comes down to a level of clarity and really knowing what it is that you are working to achieve and really knowing where it is that you want to go. What is it that you want to create in the world? What is the legacy that you want to leave when when it is time to go? And having that clarity really is like that magnifying glass that you pointed out, that when you're very, very clear on where you want to go, you're going to try to figure out all of the possible methods to best create that effect, ideally as quickly as possible, because we know that time is not an infinite resource for us. So why not create the opportunity with that level of clarity that then allows us to create that effect as quickly as possible and, and really build out hope for others around us as to where we can then go. And and I believe there's nothing better than being clear on what that goal is in terms of creating consistency and not allowing the distractions to come in. And and you point this out all the time, consistency carves canyons and nothing will do it other than a consistent drip of that faucet or consistent drip that that needs to come through. The Grand Canyon wasn't formed in a day. It -hmm. took time. It took a long time to really build that. And so the consistency of the water coming through is what built that out. And so for us to build out those canyons, being clear on what the goal is, and then loving that goal and seeing it as as the thing that everything is focused on is going to create the consistency to then go in that direction.
1: Yeah, if I could add to that, another big aspect is the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. So nature has taught me that nature will always take the path of least resistance and in doing so that's what carves out canyons that's what creates beautiful rivers that's what fills lakes that's what fills our ocean is the water takes the path of least resistance and what many people feel like is that being successful or having your visions or dreams come true uh, has to be hard okay it doesn't have to be hard it can you know it's usually hard if we're not following nature's principles and so sometimes it's going to be challenging, right there's going to be times where we're emotionally challenged or stretched. there's going to be times where we have to have difficult conversations. It's part of working with patients, part of working with your kids you know part of being married it's part of having uh, associates and team members and people that you and vendors and people that you work with so there's you know you're going to have to have conversations that you don't want to have to have or you're going to have to do things that you don't want to do. but a lot of times what you'll find is that that's the resistance and having that conversation lowers the resistance in that relationship. So again, you know, if we find ourselves working really, really hard, then we have to ask ourselves, what am I doing wrong? Because uh, we're conditioned to think that it has to be difficult. But what I've learned is that it doesn't, it can be fun. It can be invigorating. Yes, there will be challenges. Like there's no straight lines in nature. So it's not a straight line down, right? No river is perfectly straight the bark on a tree isn't perfectly smooth i mean if it was then things wouldn't be as beautiful and as pretty as they are so there are no straight lines in nature so there will be you know little nuances and details and that's every day every moment of our life but if we can just kind of ask ourselves like just look back for a moment and ask ourselves you know what's the path that i'm going on and is it creating a lot of resistance for me because it doesn't Everything in our life is essentially a metaphor. So if there's resistance in your business, probably resistance in your marriage. If there's difficulty in one area of your life, it's going to you know, show up in other areas of our life because that's just how the universe works. So everything is a microcosm of a macrocosm. And the opposite is true as well. As is the macrocosm, so is a microcosm. As is a microcosm, so is a macrocosm. So problems generally don't just show up in one area of our life, they show up in all areas of our life. So if we're taking the path of least resistance uh, in our business, then we're probably doing the same thing in our lives, in our marriages, in our relationships. And that is what allows us to have this kind of lazy river type flow, right? Where external forces are guiding your journey as well. Because you're working with external forces. You're working with nature, right? If I get in a lazy boy or you know, one of those floaties and I try to swim up the river, yes, maybe it's possible, but it's going to be a lot of work to do that. And I'm working against external forces. But if I work with the external forces, then I hardly have to do any work. I can enjoy the view instead of trying to work so hard.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love the idea of it's not the shortest distance. It's the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. And that for me has been a huge defining feature in deciding how to go with it, how to go along with what your body is telling you, what your mind is telling you, what the universe is trying to tell you and creating that alignment with how you function and how you function with those external forces in alignment with them. And if it feels hard, if it feels like it's too difficult, if it feels like it's pulling you back, it's because you're actually probably working out of alignment with the path of least resistance. And that's where a lot of people tend to have those issues. And I guess that mindset really comes from it's difficult because they're not working with what the universe is trying to get you to do. So I really love that.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, and oftentimes it's viewed as being lazy, right? Like we call it a lazy river. And, uh, and so people think that we've got to work so much harder than we actually do. And if we just kind of peel back the layers of this onion a little bit, because I think there's a, lot, there's a lot of context here. And if people can really wrap their heads around it, then it really changes the way they look at the world, right? The way to yeah. look at everything. And I, you know, I always remind people that shortcuts lead to shortcomings. And if you think about a river, the river is not the shortest path, right? A bird takes the shortest path, but a river doesn't take the shortest path. It takes the path that provides the least resistance, but it always makes its way there right? Sometimes if you were to take the shortest path through the jungle, that might be a very difficult path for you to go through, right? And it could create a lot of danger and problems and and shortcomings. So, you know, I I just wanted to, you know, repeat what you just said there, because I think that's a, there's a lot to to unpackage there. The other thing I realized is that when it comes to personal growth, we have to think of ourselves like the trunk of a tree. And where a lot of people Struggle, including myself, at some point. So, everything I'm sharing with you is stuff that I've had to deal with, right? And I've had to find answers for this old way of thinking and these old paradigms. And these are the things that really help me visualize it in a way that once you see it, you can't unsee it. So, if we think about nature, nature has this amazing wisdom, right? So, the way a tree grows, there's a lot of wisdom to that. That's been happening for millions upon millions upon millions of years. So, the design. Uh, Provides insights into perhaps a code that's coded into all of nature. So, if we look at a tree, the biggest part of a tree is the trunk. If the tree were to try to grow any of the branches bigger than the trunk, the tree would split in half. You know, that's what a lot of people do when it comes to their personal lives. You know, they try to grow their business bigger than they try to grow themselves, they try to grow their income bigger than they try to grow themselves. You know, Jim Rohn says, you know, if you win a million dollars, it's best you learn how to be a millionaire right? Because there's formula to that. You know, We try to grow other aspects of us bigger than we try to grow ourselves. And that is a failing model in life. And we can see that in a tree, right? The tree would split in half and it'd be dead. So it's created this wisdom that says, hey, if I grow the trunk by pulling up water from the roots and leveraging the networks underneath me, and I pull that water up through the trunk, I can grow all the branches simultaneously. So growing the trunk Actually grows the entire tree. And every single branch, every single leaf of the tree grows bigger and better and stronger and healthier uh, as a result of the trunk growing. And so once we once you see that, then you start to realize, okay, if I want to grow anything in my life, it's not going to grow beyond me. So if your health, for example, is a six, if somebody's health is a six, then they're not showing up as a a seven out of 10 as a dad, right? They're showing up at a six or less, probably, you know, a five or a three in some cases. So our health is the ultimate ceiling and the foundation from which we build our life and our business and our finances and our relationships and how we show up in the world. All of that stuff depends on uh, really understanding that all growth starts with us.
0: I love that. And for me, it, that, that analogy, the tree analogy makes so much sense. It, it just clarifies that, When you focus on yourself, when you focus on your personal growth, personal development, every aspect of your life will then be able to grow from that. It's your potential grows without the risk of one branch falling off or one area of your life getting too big and you not being able to handle what that means. So beautiful, beautiful analogy. Thank you for that. Thank you. I think that's a great way to lead into. And you you spoke about health mastery, understanding that essentially your health is your ceiling and essentially your potential. I think that is a a great way to put it, that if you do not have health, if you do not have optimal function of your cells, of every aspect of your health, then you're never going to be able to go out and expand and grow and and do better. So speak a little bit about how health has been a major piece of your journey.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I'm a work in progress. I'll be the first person to admit that and you know it's it's something that we're in the constant pursuit of so metaphorically i i think of life as a mountain right because you know although we take the path of least resistance there's something that we're trying to achieve and a mountain is a great metaphor where we could think of making our way back to the ocean from which we came so you know however you look at this whatever inspires you whatever visuals inspire you i think that you have to realize that health is the foundation health is really all that we have at the end of the day, right? It's going to determine how I show up to help others. It's going to show up, it's going to determine how I show up to, you know, contribute to my business or my place of employment uh, or, you know, anywhere else that I go there I am and there my health is with me and it's going to be there in a, hopefully in a positive way. I think that for me, health has always been about, you know, ultimately happiness. Because if you want to live long, you have to have a sense of purpose and and obviously happy. You got to be happy because if you don't have happiness, living to 110 or 120 could actually be a, a life sentence, right? As opposed to being a life. So you know, really, you know, our focus is what are we doing that makes us feel happy? What are we doing that helps us feel like we're contributing to a greater good? And what are we doing that helps us leave places a little bit better when we found them? You know, health requires that. And it's not just our physical health, it's our spiritual health, it's our emotional health. You know, those things to me have been kind of the next evolution. And really what I feel the ultimate evolution is having a spiritual life, not just having a healthy body, but the ascension from there is reconnecting with our source and tapping into that. And and that's where I feel like the full actualization of being a human actually takes place. It's not necessarily the things that other people can measure. It's the thing that we can measure, which is our ultimate state of being. So, you know, health is is so vital in so many different ways. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we want to prioritize health, you know, especially as parents, because our children are watching everything that we do. You know, as healthcare practitioners ourselves, we have a responsibility to our communities and to our patients to lead by example. And and that's why our practice is called Living Proof, because, you know, we try to embody and, and role model the things that we want our clients to do as much as possible, right? Like, you know me, I'm not perfect. <laughs> I never say that I am. And, you know, the goal is how am I getting better every day? And, you know, the thing is, we're getting better every day at something. We're getting better at making excuses and believing those excuses, or we're getting better at not believing those excuses and believing what our possibilities are.
0: Yeah, that's just beautifully said. So I don't think I need to add anything to it. I love it. Let's talk a little bit about the different aspects of health. And I think this is a great uh, segue into measuring health and measuring with health potential, but then success as well. And being able to say that you feel and look and experience true health. Let's talk a little bit about what health truly means to you.
1: Yeah, great question. So, you know, for me, health means showing up in a way that I can make the space more positive, and leave the space better than I found it. And I know that kind of sounds like a very esoteric kind of explanation, but I believe that there's a vibrational energy that we all carry. We we all have a heart field, and I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, you know, when you walk into a room, you should make the space brighter. To me, that's what true health is. And again, I I know that's not like, hey, my cholesterol should be this number, <laughs> and that's what measures my health. That's a very kind of Ego based type of, you know, assessment, which is, oh, this number is this in this moment in time. So this is deterministic of what's going to happen tomorrow. It's really not, right? We have to live and be in the moment. So Mm -hmm. for me, being healthy means having great energy, being able to do the things that I want uh, when I want in the way I want, right? So I don't want to be carried up a mountain, right? So I can have the same experience of going up the mountain, but I want to climb the mountain, you know, I want to make it to the top on my own accord. So doing things on our own terms with the right intention and again, having the capacity to leave things uh, and people better than you found them.
0: I love it. In terms of being able to then measure not just health, but overall success and and being able to leave that legacy that you're hoping to leave, what are some measurements that you use to determine how successful you've been? Are there tools that you use like a lot of people are, are focused on the idea of financial success being a major measure of success. And yes, there is absolutely a measure in there, but I don't think financial success really dictates what a successful life means. So tell me a little bit about what a successful life means to you.
1: Yeah, sure. So I, I think there's a few ways to measure that. And you know, money is not the best way. Because you know, if we look at the slice of pie, the energetic slice of pie, money is the smallest slice of that pie. So it's a representation of the size of the pie, but it should be the smallest slice of pie. And I believe in there's so many different types of currency, one of them particularly being karmic currency. Mm-hmm. So the way I measure a successful life is, is how much resistance am I coming up against? And if the right people, the right circumstances, right opportunities you know, continuously present themselves, then I know I'm on the right path. So for example, I could say something today and it shows up for me tomorrow. And I know you've witnessed that as well, where we, we say something and then the right person shows up at the right time. So for me, my karmic currency is on point. And if my karmic currency is on point, then my financial currency is less relevant uh, you know, important because there's things we want to do, like there's hospitals I want to build and schools I want to build and, you know, people I want to help and support. So I, I think it's important that we're good stewards of our money and all good stewards of our health and all the resources that we have. So to me, the ultimate metric is uh, the ease and flow of my life and how easily I can call things uh, into action. You know there's uh different levels of being able to call things into action i'll give you a simple example i went to one of my favorite restaurants this was months ago and uh, i'm gonna go back there once things settle down but uh i wanted a perrier that's one of my favorite drinks and i wanted a perrier with my dinner i never i didn't order it the lady was so busy running around and then within 20 seconds somebody comes and drops off a perrier on my table that i never asked for okay and uh, That's like a unusual drink for like an Indian person to order. So it's not like the, like people are ordering Perrier's left, right, and center. And she put it in right in front of me, right. Out of the 15 people that were sitting at my table. And then when I got the bill, it wasn't on the bill. So to me that like, those are the type of things that I'm paying attention to. I have present time awareness. And then I told her, Hey, you didn't bill me for this. And she was like, so confused, like how it ended up on my table. like so (laughs) random that the right person got it at the right time, just called it into action. So for me, things like that that are happening, you know, when you kind of look at the world and the universe happening for you, you can witness things happening for you. And that is my guide. And so if things are off kilter, if things aren't showing up the way I want them to, or the right people aren't coming in, that hasn't happened in a while, I've been on a pretty good streak here, <laughs> then uh, it, uh, it's just amazing to kind of see that and here's the thing. Sometimes things aren't going to show up in the packages you want them to show up in, right? Like the difficult conversations can be a gift. You know, I had a few difficult conversations in April and at the time it was like, for the people involved, it seemed catastrophic, but I had a conversation with that same person this week and it's the best thing that ever happened to them. So, you know, it's, it's just cool when things work themselves out and you can see things before they happen. You can, Uh, be privy to insights that other people might not get. And to me, that's the ultimate measure, for me at least, of success.
0: I love that because it's a point of being objective in the moment and being able to experience the universe through you and not having the intention kind of stuck through your ego. It's allowing the world to flow through you. And I, I really feel like when you become truly successful, these things do align. That's part of the story of how we met when essentially you walked into the office at at the condo that you were living in and I was there. It was just such an amazing, coincidental moment. And I love that. So thank you so much for doing this. I want to just end off with a really quick question for you and, and thank you for experiencing and sharing all of your insights in regards to living a successful life and living a value driven life and, and growing your business accordingly. I think it's been wonderful. So last quick question, Give me off the top of your head, you've already mentioned a couple of them, top three tools that we can use to upgrade our mindset.
1: All right. Well, always hard to narrow it down to three things. So I think one thing is being present and uh, being in our parasympathetic state. So being present, but also being in a state where we're activating our Vagus nerves and the entire parasympathetic system because that puts us in our prefrontal cortex, which is where we make better long term decisions. When we're in our limbic brain, we're good at making short term decisions, but then we usually regret those decisions at some point in the future. So, if we can get in a heart rate variability that's coherent, and I'm sure you're going to unpackage that for people, then we can actually do our better thinking. I always also encourage people to create white space in their life, okay? So, white space is where you have time off, you, you're stepping away from things, you're spending time in nature. Of the most successful people I know, their best ideas came from spending time in nature. And the other thing I want to mention is when you're present, is your, every little detail in your life is a metaphor for a problem you're trying to solve. But if you can be present to it, then there are millions of clues all around you that answer all the questions that you have in your head right now. And then, you know, just something else that I'll add in terms of mindset is to be very clear and deterministic in what you want and know that your, you know, your life is essentially a canvas, whatever you have in your life, you've painted into your life, okay, through the thoughts that you've had, through the brushstrokes that you've taken, the action steps that you've taken. So really be clear with what you want, understand that it's the same amount of paint that's going to be required to fill that canvas, which means the same amount of thinking is going to be required. So why not paint what you actually want? And don't let somebody else paint on that canvas. If I was in art class, I wouldn't let you paint on my canvas. And that's what a lot of people do. They let other people paint on their canvas, paint their dreams, their visions. Whether it's positive or negative is irrelevant. It's not yours. Right? So don't let somebody else paint on your canvas. And I think that's a good one to to kind of leave people. uh,
0: Absolutely. This was wonderful. As always, Satch, I love our conversations. I love all the insights that I gained. Thank you so much for sharing, for being here, and for being a huge part of my journey and allowing me the opportunity to grow and, and, and really helping me in, in my journey. So thank you again and appreciate everything you've ever done for me. So thank you.
1: It's been a pleasure and I really admire you for how much you've grown and continue to grow and the people that you'll serve. It's, it's amazing to see the ripple effect of our relationship. So keep up the fantastic work. Love you, brother. Thank you so much. Love you too. Bye. Bye.